0: on right now as we continue here on sports talk you heard miami beat chicago 5-1 earlier today right here on this radio station 600 espn el paso we'll update the games in progress at the bottom of the hour during sports center but first let's say hello to jay jaffe joining us from fangraphs.com follow jay on twitter at j underscore jaffe that's at Jay underscore Jeffy, and you can also check out his work at Fangraphs.com. I'm looking forward to your beer pick of the week, especially now that it's a baseball playoff season, Jay. and I had a, a Black Butte Porter in honor of you. I, when I was drinking it over the weekend after UTEP's win uh, in football, I was thinking about you, because I remember we, had, we talked about the Black Butte Porter and how much we both loved that from Deschutes.
1: That's a favorite of mine, and I can't get that very easily. I haven't had one in a couple years now. Um it's one that I look for when I go out west, uh, but uh, it doesn't make it uh, out to New York. It does to Pennsylvania, and I think um, maybe some parts of New Jersey, but uh, I'm rarely in a position when I'm in the when, when I'm around that to uh, to buy any so um, hopefully fate will smile on me. The one place that I knew I could get it once in a while at bars uh, unfortunately closed its doors. Uh, last year so that was a bit of a bummer
0: oh that is a bummer um but anyway i'll tell you this much it's as good as ever and i hope you have a chance to enjoy one soon just like you've been enjoying all the baseball playoffs and let's be honest we've never had this before you know eight games all going on simultaneously for the american for in the national best of three series and i don't know about you but i'm enjoying it so far it's been a lot of fun
1: you know look i from a fan standpoint, I can understand why this is a lot of fun from from a uh, industry standpoint, this is too much baseball um games just get lost uh it's just it's very hard i was i I was doing a, a fan chat uh, this afternoon from one to four and at, at, you know by the time I was done, there were four games on, including the Reds uh Braves, which was in the thirteenth inning or whatever and it was just you know you can't focus yep. on anything and the nuances of of each game get lost and you know, you kind of go to the sort of the red zone, like you know, what's what what crisis is brewing where? But you know, thinking when if you're trying to think along with you know with managers and 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 strategy and things like that, it's just it's just too much because you're like you have to uh, you know change mindsets to a different game uh, every few minutes, and that's uh, it, it, it's a bit of a challenge. But I can understand why, from a fan standpoint, uh, uh, it's a thrill. I do not like best of three. I think best of three is is, is does these teams a disservice and it, it, it's a bummer to see um, you know, good team eliminated after after back to back losses.
0: I'll take it a step further. I detest a one game wild card during normal seasons.
1: I'm fine with the one game wild card because it's a penalty for not winning your division. and that if that's the only route into the into the postseason uh, for those teams, okay. I wouldn't object if they if they wanted to turn the wild card into a best of three, um, you know, starting next year and go back to a same sized playoff field. That would be one thing, but um, I, this eight teams per league thing is for the birds. Seeing sub five hundred teams in here is just no, no, no. <laughs> I don't I don't like the way this this makes mediocrity acceptable.
0: <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's what we have in the NBA. It's what we have sometimes in the NHL. It's a lot of these other sports have expanded their playoffs, and they've, they've watered down the competition. And for years, baseball's never done it. And I think the only reason we saw it this year is obviously the, it's to try to make up money lost from the pandemic. And, you know, it'll be an interesting lesson to see what's learned from baseball and if they decide to change a playoff structure in the future after watching how this experiment goes.
1: Yeah, I know Manfred and the owners, the commissioner Manfred and the owners want uh, some format of extended playoffs, but this is a collective bargaining thing, and the players have every right to uh, um, you know to make sure that they get their cut and that they get a format that they feel is fair. and uh, um, you know I think they I think they have to understand that if you make sixteen teams playoff eligible, or even fourteen teams or something like that, and you water it down, the incentive to get to ninety wins, you know, to go out and get that last big free agent or whatever to get to 90 wins instead of being an 83-win 80, team or 85-win team, uh, it, it's going to be a drag on player salaries because teams are just going to look at their rosters and say, hey, we look like we might win 80 games, we might win 83. Hey, that's probably good enough to make the playoffs. Um, we don't need to spend big uh, you know, to guarantee ourselves uh, you know, a, a better shot.
0: How disappointed do you think are Twins fans realizing they've now lost eighteen straight in the playoffs after getting swept by Houston?
1: They gotta be heartbroken. I mean and it's just and to lose to the to a sub five hundred Astros team and to lose the way that they did uh, you know, leading in the ninth yesterday and, and, and making that error, uh, Polanco, that throwing error and and uh uh just a real bummer and and you know, the the one year they get to avoid the Yankees, and it didn't do them any good.
0: It's funny. I heard somebody complaining about Dusty yesterday and saying, "How do you take out Zach Greinke after four? What is he doing?" You know, he's always his his handling of pitchers, especially in the postseason, has always been in question. And then he looks like a genius because Framberg comes in and tosses uh, what five shutout.
1: Yeah, I didn't really understand the move at the time. Um, you know they, what you call that's a piggyback start. You got you got four and four from two guys, and and you know it, it was. I don't think that that was something that just Dusty pulled out of the hat. I think that was something that Dusty, uh, you know, was probably getting insight from the front office on on how they wanted to handle things. I don't know if there's something about Granky's, you know, fatigue level or whatever, or just uh, you know not exposing him to the to those hitters a third time through. Um, you know, which is in general the direction that, that things have gone, and trying to trying to uh, limit starters' uh, exposure. But um, yeah, that looked good, and and, and uh, today too. I mean, just the the way that they handled it. Um, you know, those Astros pitchers rose to the occasion. That was the big question mark: uh, was whether that they could uh, whether they had enough arms to get through this. And and uh, looks yep. good, and and uh, 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 Javier, and it's just you know they they've, they've got arms. So um, they, they, they've got that going for them.
0: Meanwhile, you look at guys that got lumped. Um you wrote about Shane Bieber as probably going to be your Cy Young pick in the American League and how the Yankees destroyed him yesterday. Ryu gets clobbered today by uh, Tampa Bay, and I know he wasn't an ace this year, but he was last year. Chris Paddock was uh, handled and knocked out early in that uh, game between the Padres and Cardinals still going on right now. So, plenty of good pitchers that ultimately just did not fare well at all in their uh, in their postseason shot.
1: Yeah and uh, Dallas Keuchel too another one. Um the Padres situation is 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 pretty dire. I mean, you know, Mike Clevenger uh had that biceps injury that uh, made it look like he wasn't going to be able to go for the postseason and then denelson Lamett <clears throat> comes up with with the biceps injury too and suddenly uh they're down to uh you know a, a kind of a threadbare staff here. Uh Paddock yeah. had an excellent uh rookie season but uh uh, was not was not great this year. Uh, some of the magic that, it, that he showed last year uh, kind of wore off, did not have good fastball command, and so that fastball change-up combo just did not play up uh, as it did. And uh, I didn't actually get to see any of what went wrong today for him uh, because of the other games and, and the fact that uh, Robin was home from school at that point. Uh, but uh, obviously a nasty, brutish, and short start, and I hope that... Uh, uh, for his sake, he gets another chance at it because that's that's a tough
2: way to go.
0: Meanwhile, you talked earlier about that Reds Braves game. You know, longest scoreless game uh, that we've had, and you start to think about uh, how great that was. Really, uh, between Trevor Bauer and Max Fried. it's a shame. That it eventually had to end the way it did, but you kind of look at it: fourteen pitches, pitchers over thirteen innings, uh, and a game that just kept going on and on. And first ever postseason to become uh, scoreless after eleven.
1: Yeah, that was a, that was an endurance test, a war of attrition, and and uh, um, you know the uh, the Trevor Bauer pitched pitch brilliantly, Max Freed pitched brilliantly, um, and you know the uh, the Reds ran themselves out of some situations there. Uh, the Braves had their shots finally, uh, though it was the Braves coming through. Freddie Freeman, guy who's got a pretty solid case as the National League MVP, uh, coming up with a big hit, and, uh, um, boy, that's, uh, that's going to be a tough one to overcome, uh, if you're the Reds. I mean, I think both, <clears throat> both, both managers did okay with their bullpens in terms of not wearing too many guys out, uh, uh, they'll be, they'll be available for tomorrow, uh, but, uh, uh, they're going to need length from their starters again.
0: No doubt more as we continue right now with Jay Jaffe, but it's the bottom of the hour. Let's get right back to Adrian Broadus and this sports center update. All right, thank you very much, Adrian. I appreciate it. As we keep things going on the program, uh, Jay Jaffe with us. He wrote about the Yankees and the uh, Indians uh, wild card series preview uh, a few days back on Fangraphs, and then also wrote about uh, wrote about uh, Bieber getting uh, hit hard while Garrett Cole was able to get the, the big win for the Yanks in that series. Game two uh, continues tonight, uh, and and like I said, it's like games are going every hour. It's uh, it's Jay called it overload. You can understand why there's so much baseball and you don't get a chance to really enjoy it all because of all these games overlapping but hey that's the way it is right now uh, and and that's not going to change anything uh, meanwhile as you start to look at a format like this jay best uh, two out of three you got to throw the records out the window don't you because uh teams can get lucky more in a series like this than they can over a seven game series which means we could see plenty more upsets like uh, what happened between Houston and Minnesota
1: yeah I it's it you know it's it, it we see it all the time you know the the lesser team winning a <clears throat> winning a three game series from the better team happens you know I a, a fair amount of time uh, in in the uh, during the regular season you know you just catch a team on a bad day a uh, bad couple of days and 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 it's falls over and uh um you know that's the thing about baseball and that's why the longer the series uh the better in terms of uh, getting at least a, a slightly more reliable uh chance at, uh, at at the better team winning but uh um you know it doesn't really even out even over the course of 7 games so um you know it's it, this is a this is more of a tournament than it is uh a you know a, a, a marathon or anything like that but uh Uh, we'll take it. It's entertaining. It it beats the alternative of having no baseball, but uh, uh, it's different, and and, uh, it's not hard to complain about uh, uh, the flaws with what we're seeing.
0: No doubt. Uh, Meanwhile, hearing the news that uh, the NLCS and the World Series will be allowing fans on a limited basis in Texas, what was your reaction to hearing that?
1: Yikes. Um, I know that, uh, look, we're, we're... we had a bit of a panic here in New York City because the deposit, the, the, the test positive rate uh, went spiked above three percent. We've been in the one percent range for a while. I know it's much much higher than that in Texas. Um, I can't see where this is a good idea. Um, you know, it's just I don't really want. I think baseball did a did a did a very good job uh, in terms of. Uh, um, you know, keeping the players safe. Uh, the last couple, la- the last few weeks, there were no positive tests among players. Um, they had a nice streak going. Um, doing it without fans was a, necess- you know, was a necessary component of that. You bring fans into this, you, you, you risk getting uh, uh, infections. I mean, the players are, are, in, are in as close to a bubble as, as, uh, as they can be. They've been living out of hotels, going only to the ballpark and back. Uh, right now, I don't see how you can bring fans in this and justify uh, what you're putting the players through.
0: It's a great point. All right, let's get a chance to uh, to wrap things up. Beer pick of the week, Jay. Uh, who do you uh, want to profile for our listeners this week?
1: Okay, this this is something that I was hoping to get my hands on. I finally got to my uh, uh, local uh, uh, craft uh, uh, store the other uh, last week with a, with a friend I hadn't seen since the start of the pandemic. Uh, this is called the uh, Black Is Beautiful. Uh, it's a collaborative effort that was started by a San Antonio brewery called Weathered Souls, uh, and it's basically it's kind of in the wake of uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. This is uh, um, uh, a beer uh, a beer effort that over a thousand breweries are participating in. They're donating 100% of the beer's proceeds to local foundations that support police brutality reform uh, and legal defenses, uh, and uh, committed to the long-term work of equality and. Uh, uh, they've come up with a with an imperial stout that clocks in at 10% uh the one i got was uh from uh, gunhill brewery a brewery in the bronx that i that I've visited really good uh they ha- they they described it as uh, uh, imperial stout with dolce de leche uh it was creamy it was it was a little sweet it was uh, uh for 10% though uh abv it did not taste nearly that boozy and uh, uh, i quite enjoyed it and i'm looking forward to the other can that i got of it
0: so does this mean that the beer was actually brewed by the San Antonio beer? Or no, they, essentially, created the recipe,
1: they created the recipe and made it available to any brewery that wanted to. They made artwork uh, for cans oh, cool. that any brewery could uh, uh, you know, could, could use, and if breweries wanted to put a little bit of a, their own spin on it, they could. Nice. Um, but uh, it's a collaborative effort. I'm not sure how much money has been raised, but it's uh, along the lines of the altogether now beer that uh, – uh, effort that the other half did uh, to raise money for frontline workers, and uh, um, just a really cool project uh, uh, that I was happy to support.
0: I love it. I think that's a great idea, and uh, there's a t- I'm looking right now just on the website um, and seeing, it, I guess it's blackisbeautiful.beer, and there are a ton of of breweries that are on board with this, because so many uh, of the craft breweries uh, around the country jumped in and uh, wanted to be uh, wanted to be part of this. So I think that's uh, I think that's great.
1: Yeah, I, I'm sure. And the fact that it's a Texas brewery, you, you guys ought, ought to be able to find something down there, uh, at least some some different varieties of this.
0: Yep, we'll be looking for it. All right, nicely done, Jay. Always appreciate the time and the insight. and We'll look forward to having you back next week when the playoff picture at least becomes a little more clear in Major League Baseball. Right,
1: we'll only be getting four games a day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thank goodness for that. We'll talk then. Take care. Okay. From Jay Jaffe over to ABC7. They're coming up next with this news update. Adrian Ochoa has that for us. And then, hey, back to Charlie and uh, plenty more. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues right here at 600 ESPN El Paso. Back on Sports Talk as we continue. NBA Finals Game 1. We'll have it for you a little more than an hour from now when the pregame show hits at 6.30 on ESPN Radio. First uh, tip, uh, 7 o'clock tonight Miami and the Lakers from the bubble. Uh, Meanwhile... There's still some games uh, yet to be played and some games going on right now. How ironic. The Yankees and Indians are in a delay um, as we welcome Jeff Erickson to uh, the program from rotowire.com now the yankee uh, game is supposed to start in about 25 minutes from now so weather delay for the yanks and uh, the indians and boy it does look a little ominous uh, on uh, in that picture out there progressive field that's for sure cards doubling up the pods there in the top of the sixth and that one um, good to have you back right now jeff and i'm wondering I asked Jay about baseball, and he called it overwhelming, having so many games going on that are best-of-threes and how, you know, just how much overload there is on this baseball postseason. Do you feel the same way as, as Jay, or, or are you enjoying all the baseball you're getting a chance to watch?
2: It's both. Uh, it is overwhelming, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying that it is overwhelming. I wish I had a better way of uh, like split-screening it. At one point, I think we had five games going at once. Uh, maybe even sixth, if, I'm, if I recall correctly, depending on what time this Padres game started. But uh, you know, it, in part because my Reds were in the busy, it, 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 right in the midst of an excruciating loss. Uh, so and, and that went over four and a half hours. That was a big part of that there. But uh, wow, I, you know, I was invested in every single pitch of that game though too. I'm into it. I'm way into it. It helps that it's my team, you know, that made it there. So of course I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm a lot more inv- emotionally invested in it. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying today. Today was like I was looking for this day, had it circled. I think it is pretty wild though that two teams have punched their ticket to the next round, whereas the Dodgers and Brewers haven't even played, you know, thrown a single pitch yet.
0: That's the thing. Uh, Best of three series are tough. And here's the other thing, okay? No matter how good you were during the regular season, you don't get a bye. You've got to play at that best of three. And, you know, look at what happened to Minnesota. Bounced out. 18 straight losses in the postseason for the Twins. Absolutely
2: brutal. And kind of, it's one of those where if you look at what the uh, expectations were for each team at the start of the season, well, okay, yeah, Astros beat the Twins. Sure, why not? Oh wait, you mean the Astros had a losing record this year? You know, it's, it's kinda of funny how everything gets turns gets turned on its heels a little bit there. Uh I you know the thing is that, that Minnesota couldn't score. And you gotta score more than a couple of runs, right? Uh they they've had they had a couple of guys, you know, hosed out the plate, had a couple other uh, situations where they came out small, not unlike my Reds today, uh, where you just you gotta you know, playoff baseball is so incredibly taut. You know, Framber Valdez yesterday might have had the most important outing of the, of the playoffs so far. You know, coming in in the fifth inning to relieve Granke, throwing five innings, you know, not allowing a hit until the ninth inning and, and getting and finishing out that game, left the rest of the Astros' bullpen fresh. Uh, they went with another starter today and Christian Javier, who, who went uh, a decent length. And now they have a lot of time to rest up. Everybody's going to be resting and ready for the next round of the playoffs.
0: That's right. And I guess if you're Dusty, you throw out all the stops in the best of three. And you know what? Under a normal circumstance, if that's a seven-game series, he's probably keeping Greinke in and not bringing him out and, yeah. and throwing Framber in, in relief.
2: Yeah, not that early at least. And, you know, I think that that's going to be the other thing. And, and even if he were, were to bring in Framber, maybe he treated him like the fourth or fifth starter. Maybe he'd go one inning you know, just to get bridge instead of having this in you know, the long depth. But, you know, one of the weak points of the Astros was depth in their, in their pitching staff you know, to go deep into the games. Well, guess what? They didn't need it. You know, Brooks Raley had, had rode the rails there, got, you know, had to pitch to Nelson Cruz, and that was the only, the one run they gave up. Uh nice little relay to get the second runner, and that was a big play in the game. Although, I don't know if he should have ever been sent. That might have been part of it. Uh, but, you know, that's that was huge. That was a huge aspect of that game. Eddie Rosario gets, you know, thrown out of the game the next inning, and you know, it was an ump show, didn't like seeing that. You don't want to see an umpire with a quick trigger finger in the playoffs. It's like, you know, get some thick skin here a little bit. Let people argue balls and strikes, especially if you're really bad. But anyways.
0: I agree with you. Hey, meanwhile, uh, how surprised are you that uh, some, some really good pitchers are, are just getting hit around here in the postseason? When you start with Bieber last night, Ryu, and then I know Paddock didn't pitch great during the season, but he was good last year, good enough this year, and boy, the Cards clubbed him as well.
2: Yeah, he gave up three homers in his last start of the season, though um, he just was off, and that was this, this kind of thing as see with Paddock, uh, with Ryu. Yeah, I was a little surprised at that. The Rays they platoon you to death, and that's what they did again uh, to Ryu. But uh, I, you know, the Blue Jays were kind of in the happy to be there mo- um, mindset a little bit, so I'm not terribly surprised. And you know, honestly. The Potteries are a little bit at risk of that as well, though they're a home team. They're a lot more expected as a four seed, uh, but you know, not having Clevenger available, not having lametta available, that that's just devastating. You take away the the two guys you want to be as your uh, game one starters, and you have to go with a guy that what they weren't planning to use as a starter this round of the playoffs. That that's that's rough. That's really rough, and to do it on relatively short notice.
0: How many of your uh, fantasy baseball leagues did you end up winning in this shortened season?
2: I had a terrible year, Steve. I didn't win a single one. I had like six second-place finishes, uh, but I was 0 for 17 this year. So, you know, oh, wow. I, you call me the so-called expert.
0: Have you ever gone winless before in a in a fantasy season, or is this the first time?
2: Uh, once before. Uh, okay. It's not fun. Uh, I'm I'm going to have to do the uh, autopsy on the season. Some of that was, you know, I did not enough time left in the season. Another one, one team was in first place before the last day. Went, my hitters went two for 37 with no homers and no stolen bases, I think with uh, one RBI and two runs scored, and then my pitchers that same day had a 972 ERA. Uh, oh. that, that's enough to sink you, and I, I dropped like five points in one day. And That's the thing. It's essentially the end of May. You, you saw five, six, seven-point swings, even at the last couple of days of the season. It happens.
0: Yep, absolutely right. All right, I want to switch to football, but before we do, we've got SportsCenter with Adrian coming up. Hey, if you've got a fantasy football question for Jeff Erickson, whether it's uh, who to start, who to sit, pickups, whatever, we've got 10 minutes for you right now. Get them into us. Tweet us, 600 ESPN El Paso. Send it to us on our free mobile app, powered by United Bank, where you can chat with us in real time while you listen to the show, or you can also call off air to Adrian and relay that question as well. So three ways to do it as mr broadis delivers another sports center update Adrian, thank you very much. We're back with uh, Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com, your premium source for fantasy sports. Check out Jeff's value meter, among other things, that is up right now at Rotawire.com. By the way, um, with the news that that Titans Steelers game is going to be rescheduled for either Monday or Tuesday, if all goes well, you know, we've been really lucky in sports. We had that, that time where it started with the Marlins and it went to the Cardinals, and we were kind of wondering would baseball be canceled and how would the season be able to finish? Well, since then, and, um, you know, it's been good for everything. We've had, you know, the bubbles worked out great for hockey, no positive tests. The NBA's done well with the finals starting. And then even at college football, getting through some of their battles, even though they've had games postponed. And this is the first time the NFL has been dealing with any of this to this extent. I would say uh, that the NFL's pretty lucky that uh, it's uh, it's been, you know, week three before four before this started.
2: Yeah, uh, they ha- it is. Uh, we saw, like, the uh, Falcons had a guy sit out this weekend starting corner. With uh, you know, with uh, with that same issue, but you're right. Uh, they, I think they have been lucky. I think that uh, it, there's a lot of mo- enough money in the NFL that they could have tried to figure out some sort of bubble. I know it's a long season and that that makes it difficult, but I think that uh, you know I, I still would have wanted to see that in, in some way, shape, or form. It's a big ask for the players, though. I get it. It's a, a long, extended season. Hockey and basketball, at least they had. They they got it to the playoffs, which is a little bit different, right? You know, it's a shorter amount of time. Not every team was there, and obviously a lot fewer players too. Uh, but you can talk about all the logistic problems, and the fact is they have resources that we don't have. Uh, but yeah, and you know we'll see if it gets any worse with this Titan situation. I, like you suggested, I heard that CBS had been told to be be prepared to have their game on have that game on on Monday night. So we'll see if that kind of comes out to fruition, but. uh got to be tough to prepare for if you're both the Titans and the, the Steelers, well, alone the Vikings and Texans, for that matter, too. That, the story might not be completely over.
0: Can you imagine, though, Tuesday night football and what that would be like if the game is played next Tuesday?
2: It's happened once before. Do you remember? The mm-hmm. Minnesota Vikings in the dome collapse uh, game where they had to play at University of Minnesota had to play on a Tuesday night. Do you, if, I don't know if you remember the Joe Webb game.
0: Oh, wow. I do. That, that's, that's not that long ago.
2: Yeah, because yeah, that was remember that was uh, like the snow collapsed the roof, uh, yep. so that's they had to go with that. Uh, so and he, I think if I recall, he wasn't the starting quarterback. He came in. Favre got hurt in that game, and so Webb came in and I think he got the win.
0: Wow! All right, you have a better memory than I do. Coming up with that, uh, I think I I,
2: I I saw. I saw Webb's name being mentioned on Twitter, and that kind of sparked my memory. So it's it's like uh, in in, in your court, you can refresh the witness's memory, uh, you know, help help that recollection a little bit. Didn't
0: Joe Webb play UAB? I think he did. Okay. Isn't it kind of sad that when I think about Joe Webb, all that comes to mind is uh, the UTEP days. That's that's what happens when you've been playing in CUSA for 15 years.
2: Well, I don't think that's sad. I think it's cool. I think it's (laughs) cool that you get to have, like, localized memories and, and when uh someone breaks out of there and become makes it in the NFL it it has it attaches a little extra meaning. You know, it's like oh, yeah. you know I, I have that with Northwestern players and sometimes I see guys that break out. I remember playing college fantasy football and remembering like oh, yeah, you know, this this Marshall Falk guy plays for San Diego State. You know, I think he can play. You know, it's not just that he, you know and that shows how old I am that I remember him playing college fantasy football. Uh, but it's it, and Tomlinson, too. You know, you know, guys that played at uh, smaller schools that just stood out and back then, I mean, they were just forces of nature, too.
0: That's a great point. Great point. Hey, by the way, I was looking at your value meter and I'm wondering, you've got Derrick Henry 16th this week against Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. That's about as low as I've seen Henry ranked in your, in your rankings in a long time. Is that just because of the delay and no. also that the Steelers run defense?
2: It's the Steelers' run defense, and it's, you know, honestly, he's not crushing it this year. 3.9 yards per carry, uh, down from 5.1 last year. Uh, You know, he's had eight targets, and those depth of targets have been practically nil. Uh, Five catches for 26 yards. Uh, You know, he he hasn't been a big playmaker so far this year. He got in the end zone last week, so that gave him his first really big fancy day. Yeah, he had 100 yards in the opener. He's got 319 yards, but... Requiring a you know, he's not getting the same bang for the buck, I guess is the way I'd look at it there. You know, the Vikings actually were the first team that he, he cranked it against. This is a tough matchup. This is a much tougher matchup.
0: Absolutely. And as I look at the rankings and and that was the first thing that kind of came to mind when I was when I was checking those out, I do see some pretty interesting names near the top of the list. Hey, you've got James Robinson 7th this week at Cincinnati and after his performance uh you know last uh, Thursday night, I can understand why you've got James Robinson so high.
2: Yeah, I might be moving him down a couple notches. It might be a little bit too much in the moment. But what I like is that he's getting used a lot in the passing game. Uh and that that's you know Chris Thompson's there. But he's not stealing all the all the targets there, and of course Robinson gets all the goal line carries. Uh, he's he's just he's always on the field and he's doing a lot with it.
0: Aaron Jones, you've got him fourth right now, uh, going up against Atlanta's run defense.
2: Yeah, it's a great matchup. Uh, Monday night game uh, he gets an extra day to rest a little bit. There, we'll see if Devonte Adams plays or not, uh, Sam, and Julio for that matter on the Falcons' side of things, and Russell Gage, uh, but. You know, it should be a high-scoring game, and he, he should get a lot of it, and he should be involved in the passing game as well.
0: How uh, surprised are you with the D.K. Metcalf start to the season? You've got him third this week at Miami, um, and you look at a guy that had his moments last year, had some big moments, but D.K. Metcalf quickly becoming, um, along with Tyler Lockett, by far uh, the best one-two punch in the NFL at receiver.
2: Well, I've got Metcalf in five leagues, so I'm not surprised. Uh, he was a target for me. Uh, he... he Got better and better as the season went on. The combination of his size and speed, uh, and, and you know, a, cor- a great quarterback to work with. And they let Russ cook this year. I mean, i have been surprised at how much they're throwing, but surprised for the better. And now that Chris Carson may not play this week, could be even a bigger day.
0: Absolutely right. Do you think Julio Jones gets the go at Green Bay, or do you think they sit him one more week?
2: I. I I don't know. Uh, We'll see. The the problem with Monday night teams is they don't start practicing until Thursday, and that first practice is often a pretty light practice, too. So we may not know this. I might not have a good answer for you until Saturday. Usually it's the Friday practice, except Monday night teams are are even later. So I think uh, there's going to be a while before we have a good, clear answer on this one.
0: Who are some of your favorites this week? Guys, you're just jumping all over and you love the matchups. I think they could have some big weeks.
2: Uh Kent, I I like the uh I like Ryan I think uh FitzPatrick is a got a good start this week if you're looking if you if you're kind of hurting at quarterback or you know you're looking for an interesting streaming option or a DFS option Seattle's lo- allowed a ton of passing yards and you don't always play the matchup and FitzPatrick is kind of mercurial here and there but I think this is a good setup he and DeVonte Parker I like quite a bit this week uh that that game in particular should be great I think Baker Mayfield has a decent game this week Uh, I think OBJ actually uh, goes off against this Cowboys secondary that's all banged up. I think it's going to be another wild shootout game for the Cowboys, and the the Browns are the ones that benefit this time.
0: If Nick Foles continues to start for Chicago, how will he start to uh, move up your uh, rankings each week?
2: Um, I don't know. I mean, The Bears' offensive line isn't great. It's not like they have a ton of playmakers. Allen Robinson's going to get his. Foles have got a 22 this week. I could see him in the 15 to 20 range quite a bit but i don't see you know i don't see too many instances where he goes much higher
0: all right once again you want to check it all out it's up on the value meter right now with uh, jeff erickson at com. hey profile a couple of other stories uh, for us uh, that that are on the site that that you want to feature
2: uh well, of course uh you know I, I would say the thing you always want to look for is uh, jerry Donabedian's and hidden stats article always great stuff every single week uh you know, you know, he, he really digs into the snap counts, the targets, the routes, all that stuff that, you know, may not show up in the traditional stat line. I always think that's a really great thing. Chris Liss's East Coast offense is always a good read. Plus, you get a sporkle quiz in there every week, so uh, you get a little added bonus for that, too.
0: I also like the NFL injury analysis uh, from Jeff Stotts. does a nice job of breaking things down uh, every uh, Tuesday of the week.
2: He does, and we, he's been with us for a long time. Uh, always good to have that guy on staff.
0: Awesome stuff. All right, Jeff, it's uh, great having you back. Appreciate the time, and I'll look forward to doing it again with you right back here next Wednesday.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Steve.
0: You're welcome. Jeff Erickson, Sports Talk continues. Up next, we'll uh, keep things moving with ABC 7 News and Adrian Ochoa. Still to come, Wayne Thornton, 20 minutes from now. He'll lead off our 6 o'clock hour only on 600. TSP El Paso. Final hour underway. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll get you up to uh, the pregame show for the NBA Finals Game 1. It's the Heat and the Lakers. Catch all the action right here on 600. ESPN El Paso hey I want to welcome an old friend back to the program he's Wayne Thornton who spent so many great years working for El Paso Parks and Rec he's since retired but uh, Wayne who has uh, done so much around this uh, community both uh, for high school athletes the Hall of Fame as well and he joins us uh, live here to begin our three of the show Wayne good to hear from you how you been
3: I'm good big Steve how you doing sir
0: I'm doing good, Wayne. I appreciate the call. It's always great to hear your voice. And um, it's uh, before we get to really the reason why you called, how surreal has 2020 been for you? You retire expecting a nice, peaceful retirement and then having to try and uh, go ahead and navigate through everything that's happening with COVID.
3: Good. You know, you realize the fact that you're surrounded by family and that's what gets you through a lot of times in life and being there to take care of my in-laws has been special as well, and I'm blessed. I'm blessed.
0: That's fantastic. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Now, we lost somebody here recently who uh, is in the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame and uh, truly uh, one of the great uh, El Paso high school trainers of all time. Tell me a little bit about uh, the, the, the sad news that uh, involved Manny Pasillas Jr.
3: Well, unfortunately, Manny Casillas Jr. passed away this past weekend, Steve.
0: But, you
3: know, I don't know many people that are in five Hall of Fame. Do you know anybody that's in five Hall of Fames?
0: Uh, no, I don't. Uh, it's, it's amazing when you're in one Hall of Fame, let alone five. So, no, I don't.
3: You know, Manny was an El Paso High School graduate. He was an outstanding football player, basketball player. Then he went on to UTEP at that time. It was called Texas Western, where he was, of course, with legendary coach uh, Ross Moore, the trainer. And that's where he got his degree in. But the five Hall of Fames he's in, check this out. He's in the El Paso Athletic Hall of Fame. Obviously, he was inducted in 1995. And I was very blessed to be on stage with him because it was the same year that I got in the Hall of Fame as well. He's also in the El Paso High School Hall of Fame. He's also in the Sun City Athletic Trainers Hall of Fame here in El Paso. He's also in the Texas State Wrestling Hall of Honor. Wow. They call it their Hall of Fame as well. And then the fifth Hall of Fame, he's in the El Paso Baseball Hall of Fame. That's unbelievable. And Manny was just a humble person, outstanding family. As we send our condolences, obviously. Uh, Everybody knew him as a man that would help anybody. Obviously, he spent a lot of years at Jefferson High School. He was one of the four coaches that started wrestling here in El Paso, Texas in 1963. And he spent, Steve, 17 years there at Jeff before he went on to be the trainer over at Burgess High School for a dozen years. And you know how special it is at Burgess when you've got Tony Harper, you've got of course, Rick Ortega, the outstanding wrestling coach. You got Bob Osborne, the baseball coach. Is that unbelievable? Have three Hall of Famers in their own right, and he was the trainer for their programs. And Manny was just phenomenal. And anytime you spend time with him, he had more stories than anybody could ever realize. Not only about his family, but about of all the different students he was able to be a part of. And and one other aspect about Manny is that he was the first trainer to have a female student trainer at his school, the very first in El Paso. And he was the one that started that path for females to become student trainers at high schools.
0: When did you first get a chance to meet Manny?
3: You know, I went to Burgen's, but I I went way, way before he was there. But when I did meet him, I met him through other people. And that's when you know somebody special because you meet him through other people. They talk about him. They talk about his work ethic. They talk about his family. They talk about how he helps others, and that's Manny Pasillas Jr. He was always there for everybody. Even though he retired in 1992, he still was involved with the training association and so many aspects for all the different trainers, along with UTEP and along with Columbia Medical Center, where he started a program with him as well once he retired. But, you know, Steve, once you retire, you never really stop working. And That's true. he never did. And God bless him and God bless his family. And I, I think that the city definitely has lost a true treasure.
0: Safe to say that Manny Pacias Jr. is uh, like the Ross Moore of uh, high school athletic trainers?
3: Definitely. Definitely. Not only that, too, Steve, I mentioned his wrestling career as far as being a coach. But can you imagine 1963 starting a program with wrestling when nobody was ever involved with that program at all and being no. able to do something with only four schools at that time in the city. There was him and Jeff, and there was Burgess, and there was Bowie and there was Irvin. That was it. And all four of those schools went on to later become outstanding programs. But to be a part of something as a founding member, it's got to be special and something that lasts with you
0: forever. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's a a terrific story, and all I can tell you is, um, you know, again, truly one of the legends, five halls of fame, which is incredible in itself, and, you know, uh, somebody who left his mark uh, not just um, for athletes, but as you talked about, I think one of the most incredible things also is paving the way for, uh, for female trainers in the city of El Paso.
3: And that's so important, too, because the females at that time, obviously with sports going on, never really got their chance, their due, so to speak. And to be able to have somebody like Manny Pacific, very innovative to do something to help them out, they had to be very special as well. And You know, Burgess always had an outstanding training program. Sergio Renteria, who was in many years at Frank High School before he retired, he was a proud of many others out there. And, of course, Don Hearn, the UTEP trainer, she knew Manny way back when she started at UTEP. And she, to this day, understands how important he was to the El Paso training team.
0: Wow. Wayne Thornton joining us uh, here on Sports Talk as we continue. By the way, um, since um, you brought up the uh, the Hall of Fame earlier, you know, um, we had Ed Stansberry on a few months back, and we know it's been a, such a tough year with uh, the class announced, but no banquet, um, and you're so close with the hall. Have you had a chance to hear any updates yet, or are we still very much uh, going to be probably waiting for a further update here in the next month or two regarding how this whole thing's going to work?
3: Well, I talked to Steve, uh, Edmund Stansberry. Of course, he's the president this year, about this issues hall, and he mentioned that he was thinking in the spring to have two banquets, one for the 2020 class and one for the 2021 class, which I think is very reasonable. If everything goes okay, that we can be able to pull that off. It yeah. may be tough because obviously those banquets aren't easy, but I think to be able to recognize those individuals for their outstanding accomplishments, it's going to be pretty a good fun time. And of course, with the El Paso Sports Commission now the sponsor of the El Paso League Hall of Fame banquet, it's going to be a good time for everybody.
0: I agree with you. Now, will the plaques be um, still hanging in the Haskins Center this upcoming season, even before the banquet ceremony? Is that how it's going to work?
3: Well, the banquets of, of the, the plaques have already been done. As okay. far as the plaques, you know, when you're in the Hall of Fame, when you get, the, you get a plaque at the banquet, your own personal plaque, and then, of course, after the banquet, then you put your plaque up. We have not done anything as far as putting anything up because we want to have the banquet first recognize those individuals and uh, it's a tough year for everybody and there's a lot of people out there they can't put food on their plate uh, it's, a, it's a tough time people losing jobs being furloughed and god bless them all and and help all of us because this is something that we've never ever thought of would ever happen and i think we all need to come together as one and make this a better place for all of us.
0: Well said, Wayne. Very well said. I love that. I'm happy you called in a NBA Finals start tonight. Who's your pick, uh, Heat or the Lakers?
3: Anybody but the Lakers.
0: Have you always grown up as a Laker hater, or is that recent?
3: No. I've always been a Laker when I was young. I loved Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Mel Counts, Kareem, Magic, but no.
0: When did it change for you? When did you sour When did you sour on the Lakers?
3: Right after Magic left. Right after Magic left. Just like the Dallas Cowboys. Once Jerry Jones took over, I soured on them because of the way they treated Tom Landry. He was a class act. So the Dallas Cowboys and the L.A. Lakers were my teams growing up. But, of course, when that happened with uh, Tom Landry, then I turned to the New Orleans Saints. And, of course, with the Lakers, uh, once that happened... Um uh, then I turned to whoever in terms of sports, anybody but the Lakers.
0: I'm fascinated by that. So when Shaq and Kobe were winning, you you were or you had already denounced the Lakers then?
3: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Definitely. Huh. Definitely. I got a friend named John Kabayan. He's probably listening, but John is such a, I mean, devout. I mean, devout Laker fan. I mean, he wears purple and gold all the time. I, I, I tell him, man, I says, look, The Lakers, you may think they're going to win, but watch. Miami's going to pull this off. Nobody will give them a chance. Everybody thinks it's all Lakers, but you watch Miami. I like Pike Riley. I like Pat Riley, though. That's why, in the back of my mind, I'd like to see Miami win, because I think Pat Riley is a a pretty cool guy, even though he played in that 66 Kentucky team when they got their butts kicked by Texas Westerns.
0: Wayne, it's been terrific having you back. Love hearing your voice. Love having you talk about uh, Manny today on the program. I appreciate you calling in. And uh, let's uh, definitely keep uh, keep the lines of communication open with you and, and have you back. And hopefully, you know, I mean, the next time we have you back, we'll just talk uh, and wrap some sports with you. Although I'll say this, uh, there is nobody better to uh, memorialize a uh, a high school legend than you. And that's that's just the truth.
3: You're very appreciative of that. Thank you, Steve. And thank you for an opportunity to talk about Mr. Senior and his great accomplishments, his great family. And of course, all those that knew him knew of a man that was simply
0: the best. Awesome stuff. All right, Wayne, until we talk again, thanks again. We'll, we'll see you soon. Okay, buddy. Thank you. You got it. That's Wayne Thornton as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right. When we come back. We'll get a chance to take you through the final countdown. But before we do, let's go right now to Charlie One and get one last traffic update.
1: The El Paso Metroplex, we're not doing too bad.
3: Joe Battle and Montoya, that crash just happened.